And now, our feature presentation, Imitating Art, with Don and Chuck. All right, everybody, welcome to Imitating Art. I'm Don. I'm Chuck. And we have a guest with us today. Say hello, Kristen. Hello, Kristen. Well done. Uh, here at Imitating Art, we like to watch and dissect movies and see if there's any life lessons that we can apply to our own lives. Today, we're going to be talking about Moon with the great Sam Rockwell. Yeah, didn't didn't remember much about this movie from <laughs> from when I watched it maybe eight years ago when you told me to the first time. That was you hadn't seen it yet when you told me. No, you were the one who suggested it the first time, and that was the only time I had watched it. Oh wow, crazy! Yeah. And it was a great suggestion. I was glad you did. Yeah. Moon basically uh, revolves around uh, the life of Sam Rockwell's character who lives on a moon base that is uh, mining for, I don't know, what was it, hydrogen or? Helium. Some kind of helium for helium uh, basically pow- pow- powering the earth. Um, this is set somewhere in the future. I don't know if they ever actually say when, but he's basically living by himself in this moon base working every day he's at the end of his three-year contract just waiting until he can get home to his wife and kid and then things start getting weird when he has an accident and suddenly he finds himself in the infirmary waking up to the robot played by kevin spacey (laughs) that uh that kind of assists him in the in the base uh and eventually he goes out against the wishes of the uh, crew on Earth, I guess, th- that, uh, that say he needs to stay in the base to go rescue the, uh, the accident, or to go check out the accident. And then he finds himself in, in this wreckage. After a while, they kind of end up talking to each other and realize, oh, they're clones, and they're up on this moon base together, and it's just kind of part of uh, a corporate entity that's uh, that's mining the helium. He's not really going home. It's farther in the future than they thought it was. Uh, and they kind of start figuring out what to do with that information and, you know, kind of going through this crisis of identity and decide, you know, am I supposed to keep working? Am, am I supposed to be angry? Is there uh, a way to escape? And we kind of go along with them on that journey. And uh, it's really kind of crazy and a, a fun little adventure that we go on. I don't know if, it, if it's more of a horror film or an action film or just a, just a fun indie. It, it's funny because um, if you were to ask me what genre the movie was, I don't think I would say either horror or action. I don't think it, it has elements of both, though. It has elements of action? You don't think it has elements of action? Not really. I guess it's slow action. I think it's <laughs> but like there's, a, there's definitely a build to it. Maybe more thriller. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a little bit more of like a slow burn thriller, maybe. Sure. What do you think, Kristen? Yes, I, I definitely would. Would I <laughs> agree with Chuck that I I wouldn't call it a, a thriller necessarily or action rather. Um, but more but of a thriller. It, yeah, it feels more like a slight edge of your seat, kind of, like, as you start unfolding with the characters, what's happening, you know, it's like a little, mm-hmm. I wish that I could have seen it through your eyes, Don, because you said that you didn't remember, you know, ha- what what happens, and yeah, I've, I've saw it, I don't know how long ago, but I've seen it many times, but knowing what's going to happen, I think, takes the thrill out of it a little bit, for any movie, of course, but... Anyway, back to the topic. Yeah, I, I guess slow burn thriller. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, but I, it, and I mean, it, it is a great feeling to have forgotten um, the plot of a movie 
that you know you enjoyed because then you get to experience it again. <laughs> so it was, I, I remember there being two of him at some point, but I did not remember at all the reasoning behind it or like why there were two of them. I didn't know if like he was, it was psychosis or if it was real or what it was. So the fact that I didn't remember it at all was, uh, was great to kind of experience it all again. Yeah. I feel like that first time I watched it for that first about half hour, you're wondering, like you said, is it real? If it's not real, is he crazy? If he's crazy, yeah. which one, which one is real and, and which one yeah. is imagining the other one? Uh, which I think is intentional. That's how you're supposed to feel in that first half. It's it's supposed to be that mind fuck in, in the first half. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like, 36 minutes in, the the younger Sam says, you're a clone. Like, like he just, like, drops the dialogue. <laughs> Matter of fact. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I do like that the movie started with the commercial for the space company that was selling, you know, basically providing the Helium-3. So, like, you start off, with the the knowledge that this that this is like a corporate program that is that's the reason that he's there by himself it's kind of crazy that he's there by himself also even if he is a clone you'd think they'd give him another clone to be there with yeah for for three years yeah it's a long contract i mean he treats gertie like like a person essentially yeah like it's someone to converse with mm-hmm. to help well keep and i guess they're sane. not terribly concerned with you know, his mental state of mind, if the, if the <laughs> body is intended to break down after that three year period, they're probably not <laughs> too concerned how he's holding up and they just play the loop of his wife and kid and all that. Yeah. Probably I imagine the same thing every time. Right. So I don't think they're like, yeah. Hey, let's give him someone else. Cause if it's, if it's more efficient and affordable to have one clone operating at a time, then. Yeah. I wondered what, like the time frame that like they started sending them up was because they never actually said the year right there's i feel like there's a timestamp on some of the videos that say something along the lines of 2025 but i don't know if that's oh, wow. when he first went up or when the actual year is okay because I, I was thinking of like the shows they were watching the, like the old like 70s shows that were on his like video player yeah. i wondered if that was like supposed to be a reference point to when like they started all this no, I I don't believe so. I think that is just like, here's the videos we sent you to watch. Um, yeah, we have Mary Tyler Moore and The Bewitched. Sorry, no. that's all we have. <laughs> I'm I, I was wondering if this movie gained any popularity or any bump in traction during COVID, considering the strong themes of isolation. Probably not. But unless I also don't know many somewhere. people who have seen it. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean. It was fairly popular when it came out, but it was just, even then, it was just a small indie movie. I think Kristen is the first person that I've met who has actually, like, seen it when I mentioned it. Yeah, I don't remember how it came into my my sphere, but I remember really liking it the first time I, I saw it. And I recommend it to a lot of people who tend to like either Sam Rockwell because it's an amazing, he's an amazing in it. He's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, or people that like that kind of out of like what's happening guess it playing the guessing game as you're going along slash doesn't mind the slow burn thing that we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. because i think for some people i could see them and i think i've had people tell me that they thought it was boring Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so i could see that for some people that just aren't into the the genre itself or or need more action or something like that 
I feel like this is like the, exactly the kind of movie I love, and I and I also feel like like there I felt like there was more going on than I remember from the first time I watched it. Like I, I when I was going into it watching it this time, I expected it to be a lot of just him by himself and a lot of just like isolated scenes with a lot not a lot going on, but his like him being trapped in his thoughts. So the fact that he was interacting with either the robot, either Gertie or him his other self at any point during the movie, you know, almost throughout the whole movie, he's had, there's dialogue. So it's pretty interesting that I remembered it more, you know, cut off from everything else. Well, I, that's probably just the way it felt to you the first time you watched it. Yeah. Cause he, maybe this is a, a good time to be watching this movie too, because now that everybody's going to space for just <laughs> ego purposes, <laughs> at least in this movie, they're going to space for saving the planet reasons. Yeah, like I like that they tell you why they're doing it and that it's actually mm-hmm. like a positive thing. They're doing a shitty thing, but ultimately it's for actually a serving a, a, like a very useful goal like for humanity. Right. And I don't know if this is jumping too far ahead, but I, it seems as though the original uh, Sam volunteered maybe in a way, right? Because you do hear his voice when when the first iteration of Sam that we meet goes out to connect with his daughter and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's like, Dad, someone's asking about Mom. And you can hear what I think sounds like Sam, Sam Rockwell's voice. Oh, yeah, sure. it's, it's definitely him. Yeah. yeah. Or it's supposed so to So do you think you that he that volunteered for it? Or do you think, like, does he work for the company too? Yeah, that was my like understanding or my feeling about it, that he definitely volunteered his, his DNA or something to be cloned. And then, but I mean, his, and his wife had to have been a part of it at some point too, if she's recording those messages, unless that's not really his wife, but he calls his daughter, you know? So, so my under the way I interpret it anyway, is that the real Sam actually went there for the three years, probably came back better for it because you know, he he and his wife had been having problems and it seems like they were probably fine afterward. Uh, but that then after he came home is when they started sending the clones up. So, so my interpretation is that those phone calls from his wife are actual phone calls that have been recorded from his wife, uh, yeah. and that, that are just replayed for all of the, all of the clones. Uh, which means that there's, something like because there's that one phone call where where part of it was edited out so she must be referencing something uh Mm. about yeah the real sam that they can't know or maybe about his real time there or or something Mm, right yeah that's kind of funny they never they just kind of let that hang they never returned to that thing where it's like something was cut out and he definitely looked at the screen like why would they you know why would there be a jump cut there yeah he calls out to gertie Um, definitely like censoring but uh, <laughs> that's one of the things that i like about the movie too is they don't explicitly explain everything you know you yeah. they allow mm-hmm. you to kind of fill in the, the gaps even though it's not mm-hmm. a terribly convoluted storyline it's still they don't have to just say it plainly all the time which is nice yeah, yeah and i think chuck's explanation makes a lot of sense that's probably mm-hmm. true he probably was the first one up there it makes more sense with the the than having like you know, constructed phone calls from his wife th- than it would just to replay the ones that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Or it would have to be a really good actress because she had some tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so I the, one of, I made a note that the about the names of the rovers like the Luke and John and Matthew mm-hmm. and I didn't really like I mean I guess that was also left open to interpretation but it definitely kind of leads to the like biblical feeling of like they're playing God with cloning and stuff like that uh, though they didn't really go deep into anything they just kind of named them and left it at that mm-hmm. and Did I you mean, guys have any thoughts on that. I didn't think like I I thought of the biblical names of you know the the rovers. I didn't really connect it to Sam, or I didn't think to connect it to Sam. But now that you say that, I mean they're consistently sacrificing Sam and letting him rise again. Yeah, is, I had actually written something down along those lines, Chuck. Of it's oh, like yeah. a rebirth every time he comes back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So shouldn't his name be Lazarus <laughs> or Jesus? No, wait. Which one is that? Jesus. You have to re- you have to refresh me on the Bible. I'm not I'm not very fluent. <laughs> He's the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. Is Sam a character from the Bible? I there's probably a Samuel. Oh, there yeah, there's got to be like a Samuel, but I don't know anything about Samuel in the Bible. So, uh well, if you know anything about Samuel, just tweet at us. <laughs> I speaking of names of things too, I did make a note of the name of the the station he was in was called Sarang, which is the Korean word for love, and I don't know how or if that plays into it, but I, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if it just means that we're working with the Koreans on this project or what, but um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I was wondering what Sarang meant, but I did not take the uh, initiative to look into it. Me neither. I did a little Googling. <laughs> One Google. I thought you just knew that. I was like, wow, <laughs> I mean, there's some yes, Korean, huh? I speak some Korean. So, uh, and one of my other notes was that I think the only reason I said the word horror in the beginning uh, is because of the scenes where things are getting weird for Sam and there's the, the other version of himself is creeping through like underneath the covers. Like that was a very like horror-esque scene and I, I liked that, <laughs> but well, it was like, I thought it was it's, it's gotta be creepy for him. Oddly specific nightmare for him to have, like, I, and it was shot a little weird, which might be the indie element of it, but I, it did take me out of the movie for a second because I thought Mm. he has no, he would have no clue. Like there's no version of a clone, right. That would have a memory of something. I I, I mean, I can't imagine that it would work that way. So it just felt like a very forced, odd thing to put in there. I don't think we needed Mm. to see that. It didn't strike me that way at all. (laughs) Um, I mean, I felt, I just thought it was an interesting, it it definitely was a, a, a unique scene for the movie, but I, I thought it, I thought it worked just fine to kind of show off how how creeped out he maybe was or maybe part of his concussion or whatever was happening concussion yeah the concussion is not real yeah i was gonna say Mm -hmm. do you believe gertie when he says that sam had a concussion or well no but but i mean in in that moment it made sense yeah i was recovering if anything reminded me of a horror movie it would be towards the end when the the first sam sam a i guess we can call him uh was like because he's a clone and i i assume the clones can only last three years and that's why the mission is three years uh because they break down after that but uh when when he starts like breaking down and like his body stops working and like his teeth start falling out and everything like that to me was i think the closest thing to to horror sure speaking of that i thought it was odd that sam b 
was like, what's wrong with you? Like, they hadn't figured that part out, like, what was happening. <laughs> he kept yeah. saying, like, what's wrong with you? Like, are you okay? Like, obviously, I think you know what's happening, right? Um, but also, yeah. before we move on from, like, th- names on things, I did, only because I think I knew... I knew what was coming. I took a closer look at the shirt he was wearing in the opening scene when he was on the treadmill. And I noticed mm-hmm. that they had the same shirt packaged up with the one of the Sams they pulled out to look at when he was still like a popsicle. Right. And it said, mm-hmm. wake me when it's time to go home. Um, and yeah. I just thought that was very like slap us in the face with the message, you know, the message of like, he I, I just think, wants to go home. But he, when I, he wakes I think up, it said, yeah. I think it said, wake me up when it's quitting time. Oh, when it's, are you sure? It's quitting time. Pretty sure. I thought it said. Uh, I mean, I yeah. Well, maybe one of them said something different, but one of them definitely said, "Wake me up when it's quitting time." Either way, I think. But it yeah, fits. either way, same same idea. And like uh, when that's his, true. When his alarm goes off uh, at one point, uh, the song that's playing has uh, the lyric, uh, "I am the one and only." Yep, I also wrote that down. <laughs> that, yeah, that's his his alarm sound, and I I wrote that immediately as soon as I, as soon as yeah. I heard it. <laughs> I thought that was great, <laughs> especially because he was not at that point, and he knew it. Uh, no, that that was before the discovery of the other Sam. Okay, well, it was afterwards also because it, it must have been the same song time, yeah. because uh, he, he definitely heard it afterward. Uh, I, I, it's I, like one of my last. It's one of my last notes. I only noted it the first time, which was. Uh, Okay. Uh, I guess I didn't hear it the first time. And then once I, because again, I didn't know what was happening. (laughs) So it didn't, didn't uh, occur to me. Um, It did. It's funny to me uh, that you remember so little of, of what happens in this movie because only a few things really happen in, in the movie, like (laughs) overarching plot wise. He, he finds a version of himself. They turn out to be clones and then they decide what they're going to do about it. Like that's all the movie is. I mean, if I can, if I can eternal sunshine, a bunch of movies and TV shows from my mind and watch them again, I would love that power. Me too. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure we talked about that in the movie itself, but probably, um, I think, uh, I, I don't know if Kristen has this note also, but, uh, I made note that the, the jump rope scene where the other, where the one where Sam B is walking around in a robe or, or no, sorry, Sam A is walking around in a robe and Sam B is on the jumping rope, I guess. It just reminded me of Fight Club so much. <laughs> well, and that. we made note of the fact that Sam A was starting to look like Ed Norton in Fight Club. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. As soon as he gets off of, uh, like, uh, out of the, uh, what the hell do you call it? The, the rover. The rover. The what? Oh, oh, the infirmary. Infirmary, yeah. As soon as he gets out of the infirmary, he he looks like Ed Norton. I thought that too. With the, he's mm-hmm. got the black eye and the messy hair. He's stumbling yeah. around. And he's talking to himself. Yeah. And then as he starts deteriorating, <laughs> we decided he also began looking like Edgar from <laughs> the bug from... Edgar? Edgar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bug from... Yeah, you, uh, yeah. What's the movie? Men in Black. Men in Black. Your skin's all droopy, Edgar. <laughs> Like Skin's he was hanging off your bones. A suit, like a an, an egger suit. Skin suit. <laughs> oh, an egg an egger suit. There it is. Yeah. Sugar in water. But yeah, I definitely thought it reminded me it, like a lot of that that whole scene. I was like, wow, there's a lot of Fight Club elements going on here right now. Ed Norton loses a tooth in Fight Club too. Ah, you're right. In the bathroom. <laughs> Which movie came <laughs> then he, first? Then he lets it fall down the drain. Uh, Fight Club came first. Okay, there you go. <laughs> oh yeah. We've discovered. Very different, uh, very different themes, but uh, for sure, maybe some some uh, some homages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, 
uh, I don't know if this would fit into lessons or not, but I feel it's it was really hard for uh, Sam B to be seeing what he's going to be in three years, like without knowing the journey that that Sam has gone through. Mm-hmm. Like he's definitely like kind of ignoring him, and they're like kind of cold to each other because you know the 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 Sam that's been there for a while is kind of like after he accepts it, he's like, well, this is it. I can see what's going on. But the other one is just like, is this really how I'm going to turn out to be like this fucking guy? Yeah. Like, um, that's Talking actually to plants. one of my favorite aspects of the movie is like, they get to see, uh, like what, like he, as a person, b- both versions of himself, it's hard to talk about, uh, when it's the <laughs> same person, but, uh, especially thinking of it from Sam A's point of view is, and I wrote this down as a lesson, but sure that we could talk about it now as, as if our format matters. Um, but you know, he gets to see how far he's come by being mm-hmm. up in the, in the moon station for, for three years. And, yeah. and we could, cause we meet him as this kind of almost silly, like care, a little carefree like jolly type of guy and then mm-hmm. and then when we meet the clone we get to see that that's not how sam as a person actually is he's a lot more of an asshole and he's like what you think of because you know he he's an astronaut essentially like he's top gun yeah, yeah yeah like he's got that like kind of like pilot air force energy of mm-hmm. uh I'm awesome and I know what's going on and you're an idiot. Get out of my way. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's cool to see their journeys confronting each other. Yeah. I liked, I, I like. I definitely like the dynamic of like thinking of yourself three years from now and being like, am I going to, am I going to be talking to plants and whittling things out of wood, like <laughs> making a village out of wood or whatever he was carving it out of? Yeah. I, I do like that Sam A when uh Sam B is like giving him shit for talking to plants, like he's he's basically just ignoring Sam B. He's like Yeah. He just keeps talking to the plants. It definitely seems a lot like uh as you get older you you know, you lose some of that pride and you don't really care what other people think about you. One of the plants also was named Ridley and this movie was produced by Ridley, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott? Yeah. Oh, good catch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did not notice that. I didn't need, I don't know if I noticed him naming any of the plants. Oh yeah, they all had names. He he, gre- he greeted them when he was talking to them. Hmm. What were the other names? I don't remember. There was like a Daniel mm-hmm. or something. There was some like <laughs> mundane boy name. Wait, there were what? How many? There were twelve plants. Marky, Ricky, Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davy, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. <laughs> oh, and Sammy. <laughs> Sammy. Sam. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's 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 also really interesting to watch them like react to things differently too, like the situations that are going on and how they react to deciding where they should go from here is really interesting. Like the old old Sam's in like total kind of denial for a while because he's like, no, no, it's not like that's not that can't be true. I'm the real Sam. I'm going home soon to see my wife. Mm-hmm. None of this can be true. So like watching him fight against that reality for a while was 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 interesting to watch. Yeah, because it's it's Sam B who is like, we're clones. Like they're fucking with us. Like something is going yeah. on here, and Sam A is just like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and yeah. I think it's because throughout the three years of being there, he's 
had to cling on to this hope of going home, and he's not ready to give that up yet, especially with how close sure. it is for him, or how close he thinks it is for him. I think there could also be an element of, um, like, at the point where he's still in denial, he could, he's very likely still not certain if what he's seeing is real, right? Like, he had already started hallucinating uh, either his daughter or some other woman a couple times before Sam B showed up. Yeah, before wife. the crash happened, right? He was starting to, his body was starting to break down. So I think there was still a period where he was like, am I just seeing another version of myself and it's not real? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, actually a good point. Um, can we talk about Gertie a little bit? Sure. Uh, sure. Actually, one of my notes is, uh, imagine Kevin Spacey playing a creepy, robotic, unfeeling villain. <laughs> that's all I got. That's a good note. <laughs> what I liked about Gertie was the the um expectation subversion around like oh the robot is there to like if you go rogue the robot's gonna kill you or try to keep you caged right because they kind of they start to go there when when gertie doesn't let him outside sam be outside right you think like oh Mm -hmm. gertie's gonna be the robot that like locks it down and has to kill him or something like maybe i don't know if everyone would think that so i liked that there was a point at which he gave him the passcode to files he wasn't supposed to see and then you know continued to help both sams and to and have be willing to let his memory or memory banks be erased i thought it was interesting mm-hmm. because that is not typically what you see uh, when you see a robot in a movie at least the movies i've seen <laughs> yeah like like you're expecting uh hal from 2001 a space odyssey like the right. ai that's going to take over and protect the company um not right. protect sam and actually I had forgotten that Gertie had that sort of almost arc. It it feels like an arc. It's not really an arc. It's just Mm -hmm. his programming. But it it feels like an arc because you do expect that at the beginning because that's how it seems like he's acting. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I made that note of like, because Sam A asked him outright, am I a clone? And uh, the first time he doesn't really answer. He says, you look hungry. But Mm -hmm. the second time, he just tells him everything. Um, Yeah. And I made the note, like, why is he just, like, why is this robot just telling him that? And then, like, 20 or 30 minutes later, Sam's like, Gertie, why why are you, why are you doing, like, you're telling me all of this? Like, why are you helping me? And Gertie's just like, my programming is to help you. And when I thought about it, I, I also thought it would be silly of them to program Gertie to do something like, kill a rogue sam because if that malfunctions at all you're just going to end up with nothing up there and all the sam's dead and suddenly they're not making any money right Mm -hmm. i just had the thought that maybe like this kind of explains in a way why they're using human clones instead of like ai robots at this point in you know in the evolution of technology because the like limitations of programming in in AI as in those situations might lead to something like that where they end up giving away the game to to the to Sam. I, I, this is not a fully fleshed out thought. This is something I was just thinking of, but I'm wondering if it has something to do with AI versus clones. Like these are futures that don't exist really yet, yeah. <laughs> but possibilities for corporate use and. 
I wonder if there's like a, a a thought behind whether they would choose to use one over the other. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I feel like if they can afford to make clones that are that yeah. good, they probably actually can uh, create an AI to do it for them. Uh, True, but and then maybe, you but wouldn't have a, fear a movie. Of singularity. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just. I guess it's one of the uh, you know things you have to accept about the the world of the movie if if you want to enjoy it. Um, oh, I don't feel like it takes away from it for me. It may, it just makes me think that there was a reason they chose to use human clones instead of AI, and whether that had to do with the singularity or just programming limitations that they might have had, or something else that had happened on Earth. I I, I wonder if it's because of uh, the functionality that a that a human can serve that a, a robot can't. Like uh, yeah. like Sam can go out there get stuff like find something that's wrong like figure it out in in a way that an AI maybe yeah. maybe can't yeah there's a resourcefulness to humans that maybe uh, AIs are not able we're not able to be programmed with at this point yeah and also right now I'm thinking maybe maybe Gertie is like a little bit of a, a learning AI and by that I mean hmm. it seems like he likes Sam. And I'm wondering if yeah. Gertie has grown to, like, after all of these years with the various versions of Sam, I wonder if he, like, thinks of Sam as a friend. Yeah. Or if that's it just does, part I mean, of it definitely the, seems that way. Or if that's just part of the, I must help Sam at all costs programming. Yeah. What else you got up there, Kristen? Anything else about the movie? I don't have a whole yes. lot of notes going on. A couple other things. Um, I just want to point out that <laughs> when Sam B gets in the the transportation device that normally sends the helium or whatever right to earth. Mm -hmm. Um, He's, it's a wild ride. And I'm thinking, is it like that for the whole three days? Because there's no fucking way (laughs) that he would be like, wow, this is great. I have no place to peer poop. I've got three days to go. And is it like, (laughs) anyway, I just thought that was kind of, I realize it's a, a it's not designed for a human to be in it to begin with, but I thought it was a bit odd that it seemed like um, the best idea. I don't know. Um, well, I think it was the only idea. <clears throat> True. So, astronauts are usually pilots. Have you met many pilots? I have not met any pilots. <laughs> they are definitely like a thrill-seeking type. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I guess you'd have to be in some way. Yeah. He's like, challenge accepted. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I will not pee for three days or I will. And who cares? Or I will. And who, yeah, it's, what, what's the right. difference? It's like a means to an end. What are you going to do? He's, it's, you're either stuck here forever or you go home and see the family that has been implanted in your brain. Yeah. As an astronaut and I assume pilot beforehand, because most astronauts are, uh, he's probably been in some very uncomfortable situations and he's probably okay with it on some level. Yeah, I will say that I started feeling claustrophobic watching him crawl in there, or watching yeah. Sam A get mm. in there and be like, "Yeah, was, <laughs> I'm not comfortable." Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe Sam was a POW in the in the AI wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then okay, let's talk a little bit about when he gets back. Right, we start to hear like radio coverage, media coverage mm. of his return, but you know, okay. The thing he's in is programmed to probably go right back to the people that are creating the clones, right? So they wouldn't they have just killed him on the spot? Like, how the heck would he have gotten away so easily? Uh, well, I'll stop there. You guys can jump in on that. Maybe, but it's probably designed to splash down somewhere, like, safe. It's not, 
like it's not going to land on land because then you would probably explode all of the helium in a yeah. horrible fiery crash. Well, I mean, it could it could just I mean, since, it's, since there's no human cargo, there could be. I mean, who knows? There could be parachutes. It could just be like a a landing zone where it's it's stable enough to land. But but who knows? I mean, either way, however he, they get down there safe, they're definitely going to like, you know, I would think they would have a contingency plan, right? In case or, well, one of the Sams escaped. I mean, but it's probably automated, right? It, it's probably not greeted by people, so he probably was able Maybe. to just get out and get mm-hmm. away before they realized what happened. Yeah. Well, but I I do like that on like the radio stuff that you hear is like that he must be crazy. Like, of course they think he's crazy. <laughs> or he's an illegal immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That, that that was a nice, nice little, nice finish to this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm well, even though we have people on the moon saving the planet, I'm glad nothing has changed. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that it's so obviously uh, like a, a far right pundit. Because I think he even like goes to the next caller after that or, or something like that. Uh, we have helium on the moon, but we still have Fox News, for Christ's sake. <laughs> it's not going anywhere, man. <laughs> uh, I, I think Kristen had something else. Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, n- no, I was just going to keep complaining about how unrealistic it was for him to be in the 2B thing. And then <laughs> how does he get out? All these things. But actually, Chuck, you saying, you know, part of it is automated. Like, cause I'm thinking, how does he get out of it? It, you can't, you're not supposed to operate it from the inside. So I'm just thinking way too much about it. It's fine. We can move on. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're There's probably some fan fiction about it. Probably. But I think in a sci-fi movie like this, I think we're allowed to accept that it's just possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we probably shouldn't yeah. overthink it. It, it. We're more supposed to think about like the the themes of the movie, I think, than some of the details. Uh, I, I did have That's a couple fair. more things though. Um, yeah, uh, I thought that it made sense that given his time in isolation, Sam would get very good at intense hobbies like building mini ping cities pong. and ping pong and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I really like that when Sam B wakes up, it's a really great trick that they play on the audience because it makes so much sense that that's just what happened to Sam A and that Gertie somehow got him back to the infirmary and took care of him and he's waking up and it's just, you know, it's a changeover, (laughs) you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. the audience has no idea it happened and the movie just keeps going until you find out what's going on. Uh, Like in Fight Club. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one note just says, "Why, why are you hitting yourself?" The motion picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good. Uh, that was an alternative title. Yeah. Oh, uh, here, Don. Uh, one of my notes just said, "It won't go any louder." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had the exact same thought when when they were playing "Walking on Sunshine." <laughs> yeah, uh, which is a good song to be listening to when you're in outer space. Uh, yeah. I thought I found your secret room is something no one ever wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, that shot when um, Sam A, I think, is out in the rover and like Sam B is, I forget, he's he's looking, I think he's trying to figure out, so I can't remember exactly what happened in, in that sequence. But you see Sam A, it's when he really starts like breaking down and he throws up blood in his helmet. And uh, mm-hmm. it just shows you this shot of the rover he's in with Earth just so far in the distance and Mm -hmm. it's just like this really hauntingly beautiful shot where it's just like 
there's no one to help you. Like, th- this, it just makes it feel like such a helpless situation. Yeah, you're so far from anything and everyone. Uh, I really like the pacing because it lets you, it gives you the opportunity to soak everything in uh, and kind of think about what's going on or try to th- figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, Sam Rockwell, like Kristen said, does a great job in this movie. He was completely robbed of an Oscar nomination because uh, the production company didn't want to send out screeners to Oscar uh like to academy members because the movie had just come out like in december so they didn't want it to get pirated so they didn't send out any screeners to anyone on the academy to help them vote Mm. and it i think it was he eventually got his oscar but i think uh he should have at least gotten nominated for this movie How's that? How's that working out for you production company did that not get pirated enough for you (laughs) (laughs) or or too much Yeah, it didn't get pirated nearly enough. And no. I mean, it, I get it because it's a small production company and they need whatever money they can get from ticket sales. But come on, like if you get the Oscar nom or mo- multiple Oscar noms. Yeah, that's going to bring more money to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's essentially the function that the Oscars play in the industry is getting yeah, your movie out there. And when you have a performance yeah. like this, it was going to get out there if you did that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another film or actor robbed of an Oscar nomination. Yeah. It's not like they nominated any black people instead. It was just other white men. <laughs> just clones. <laughs> On that note, though, let's yeah. take a break and we'll be back with some lessons. All right, and we're back with some lessons. I know Kristen has a lot. She's got the pen at the ready. Yeah. Lots of lessons over there. I wouldn't say a <laughs> lot. I feel like mine are pretty going to sound very cliche as well, like very obvious cliche. It's what things. we do. Sometimes they're, just... sometimes they're obvious. <laughs> okay, so one of the things, I almost started talking about this earlier when we had jumped to an almost lesson piece around confronting ourselves we were talking about the two sams before Mm -hmm. um but Mm -hmm. it made me think of you know because sam a the one that was breaking down seemed genuinely scared of sam b at times and it made me think that you know we sometimes we scare ourselves um at what we're capable capable of doing right or like when you Mm -hmm. were both talking earlier about him now being able to look at himself through the lens of someone that had time to like chill out and find his his Zen space and all of that. Um, that sometimes we can do and say things and act in ways that, that scare us. And we, we need to see that in ourselves sometimes I think in order to grow or change. So that was one yeah. piece. Yeah. yeah, that's totally right. And even not just the way that we can scare ourselves in in those moments, but just thinking about the things we've done in the past as well. So mm-hmm. the the fact that he's seeing his his past self uh, do these things, I think, is very key. That's true, and I didn't I didn't really think that much about like the looking back on who you were before until you started talking about like how gruff and like uh, you know kind of an asshole Sam B is. Um, 
but I kind of I kind of wrote down more or less what Kristen had to say. I said that you can't really see your true self from within yourself. So like, and since you can't actually look at yourself from without, like in this situation, uh, if you have people that you trust and love, you kind of have to take their word for it and have somebody that you can believe when they say you're being like this, maybe you should take a look at that behavior in yourself, you know? Yeah. Uh, as I wrote it after he finds himself, he finds himself. (laughs) All right, so I'm um, j- just as an aside, you have enough one-liners in here that we're definitely going to make uh, an Instagram reel where you just say all these things like alternative title, uh, stop hitting yourself the movie. <laughs> there was another one that you said at the end, uh, the, the walking on sunshine bit, and then there was one other that you had in that like that riff, and I was like, so apparently Chuck has just taken to doing uh, stand-up one-liners on the podcast now. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, back to it. That was the, that, that. That was a good point. <laughs> I do. That is a good way to say it. Yeah. He finds himself, and he finds himself, and then he finds a whole bunch of himself. Finds more of himself than he's prepared to deal with. For yeah. Sure. And <laughs> yeah. Actually, one, we've all been there. One thing I really like about the movie is that it took Sam A three years to get to that point, but Sam B, through meeting Sam A and going through this together, he goes through that change much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. To where by the end, he he cares about the situation and he wants to do something about it instead of just accept it as a shitty part of whatever situation they're in. Um, and like this this is a little bit fight club worthy as well, but I also, I wrote down that he's like, when they they meet, like he's like actively trying to ignore the other one. Like he's trying to ignore a part of himself and just like not believe that he's like that or he's going to be like that. So it's kind of like what we've been saying the whole time, but it kind of could relate to like parts of yourself that you're in denial exist and you don't want to face them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was well done. In, in a that similar way. vein, I feel like there's a, an element of, you know, we all have kind of light and dark in us. And sometimes you have to be willing to let part of you die. You know, in this case, a literal version mm-hmm. of himself dies, even though it may be the, the more evolved, better version in this specific scenario right but the the maybe more woo-woo way of looking at it if you will is is we are all capable of being angry mean violent people or being softer more compassionate versions of ourselves and until we're able to identify that in ourselves we we may not be able to let go you know or as you were saying Don, like have someone that you know and trust reflect that back to you and being willing Mm -hmm. to say, yep, okay, I need to let that part of me die or go away or grow from it and move on from it. Yeah. Yes. We all can we all contain multitudes. Yeah, like I I didn't write it down, but I also was thinking that like he had, you know, part of him had to die. Although I thought it was interesting that it was the fully changed version of himself that had to die. Well, yeah. Well, the limitations of clones. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just no way around it. It's just the the science. <laughs> it's science. I mean, that's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah. I I wrote that there's um there's definitely a relativity to truth or reality. And if something is real to you, then it's it's real. It feels real. Like if you believe that you are on this, you know, space station and you're going back to your wife in two weeks then that's real. That's your reality. So that's what you're living. You know, there's definitely like everybody lives within their own 
subjective reality, even if there is an objective truth, which I've, I've been saying I believe less and less actually exists anymore. <laughs> but um, that may be a, a product of the news and society we currently live in. But um, I do like how they kind of play with that idea. And then his, his like the necessity of him having to deal with that whatever he believed was real has just been like ripped out from under him. Yeah. I I mean, it's not that I don't think objective reality isn't real, but um, I do think we have to, like we always rely on others understanding of things to take our own understanding of of things. Like uh, we, like no one person is ever going to know all of the truth of, of everything. Uh, like objective truth is out there. We're just, none of us are ever going to know all of it. We only know as much truth as we can learn from, from other people. And it's not going to be all of it. And it's always going to be filtered. And we just have to decide for ourselves at some point what we believe. Yeah. For better or worse. Interesting or maybe not so interesting note is, uh, I was just, doing some work earlier today. And a lot of the writing that I do is on behalf of therapists, like psychotherapists. And um, I was just typing out something about how uh, the therapist that, that I'm writing on behalf of said something to the, the effect of, we are all, we are all operating from a place of what we were raised to, you know, under the guise of our whoever cared for us as a child. Right. So I think that Hmm. ties in to some extent of Mm -hmm. the way in which we see ourselves or the outside world, of course, initially, at least when you're younger, right, is very much shaped by the people that, that raised you. And that can sometimes influence how we even choose to educate ourselves or not. Yeah. Very much. It's either through their filter or it's a a reaction to their filter. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So many people, believe certain things because it's the opposite of what some people believe. Yeah. Yeah. And what Kristen just said reminded me a lot of what we said last week in uh, Dear White People. Like a lot of people's beliefs are based on how they were raised and what media they were fed and, you know, what what they were marketed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but speaking of uh, humans, I was, uh, I wrote that uh, without hope for something greater, humans aren't really humans. So like to make these clones work for them the way that they need them to, they have to like inject that reality of like desire that they're going to go home to something better. Eventually they're working towards something that they can look forward to because without hope, then there's, there's not really anything, you know, you you know, the human, I think humans would break down without that, you know, that existing within them. And I don't have the actual information on the study, but I remember them doing a study at one point on, I don't know if they were terminally ill patients or there, there was a, there was a study done to say if like, if somebody did not have the ability, you know, somebody thought they were going to die in 30 days and they couldn't make plans beyond that, like the depression, you know, obviously the depression of death. So I don't think it had to do with actually terminally ill patients, but there was some experiment where people were not allowed to plan beyond the next 30 days as if they were not going to exist after that. And like they studied like the feelings of hope and optimism and depression in those people. And it like took a severe drop. And I feel like a lot of us have probably experienced that over the last year of not knowing what we're going to be able to do or 
if we can plan anything or if we're allowed to go see people, family, friends, or go outside and do things that we like to do. So I think like not having that, like by putting this hope, hopeful feeling into the, the clones of Sam, they allow him to do his job dutifully because he thinks something else. Otherwise he wouldn't work for the corporation otherwise. And I, maybe they just didn't have any other way to like create a robotic human that would, <laughs> that would do their bidding without promising something else down the line. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's why they give him the, the memories of his wife and kid. You know, the exploitation of humans by corporations is also something that's not going away, but I'm actually curious what you guys think about how exploitative this is and like how, like from a human rights standpoint or like, so are clones like the new minority? Like, are they like, well, Hmm. they're less than human now because they're, you know, they're carbon copies of someone. They're not born. They're not, you know, they're, they're not natural. Well, I mean, to a corporation, what's the difference? You said it. (laughs) That's a tough one because, you know, part of the way the movie positions it as well, like you're on the side of the Sams, you know, you're like, fuck the corporation. One of this, you know, the Sam V ends up reprogramming one of the rover things to crash into the, one of the towers so that the, the direct communication link can come back and you're like, yeah, like, uh, stick it to them, get back there, let them know what's going on. So like part of, part of me, which I think is the intention of the movie is like cheer for the underdog, the, the, the pseudo humans that are getting fucked over. We're allowed to swear, right? We're swearing on this podcast. I think we've been doing it the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, um, and then, yeah, there's a, there's a part of me that's kind of thinking, I don't know, is it, is it efficient? It's cruel for sure, but is it efficient? Does it make sense? You know, if there's Mm. these isolated scenarios of clones doing good work or or something, you know, like maybe there's something to that, but it also, and this might take it in a totally weird direction, but it makes me think of like cloning animals. And is that the future of animal agriculture? Because then we don't have to um, produce the, won't contribute to the environmental impact of uh, farm farm factoring or factory farmed animals, right? May not have the same. So then of course, you know, I start thinking about that and is it really ethical or moral to be quickly producing feeling living creatures just for a purpose of fill in the blank, right? The corporation, our stomachs, whatever. Um, So I don't know. It's, it is something worth contemplating that I don't have a good answer for. I mean, I I think uh, cloning meat is more ethical than cloning an animal for the meat. Yeah, no, like lab-grown meat definitely oh, is, yeah. def- is a whole different thing than cloning an animal and then slaughtering it. Yeah. Yeah, right. It, like, if you're cloning an animal just to kill it for meat, like, what's the difference between that and, and mating animals together to get more animals to make the meat. difference is you don't have to wait for them to give birth and you don't have to waste i think it would be more efficient right to directly clone a fully grown cow that you can slaughter versus having to wait for it to like you have to feed it and and grow it from you know birth basically to then right. slaughter it or you have to have one cow that grows the baby inside of it and so you're feeding that cow and then you're feeding the baby so i think it would probably hmm. be more efficient to clone the whole cow, but 
then you cut out the middleman altogether. And like you're saying, you're just cloning the meat itself, not the full blown animal. But anyway, right. I don't mean to take us in an off movie topic. But. Yeah, no, it, it's fine. <laughs> I, I just mean like, it might be more efficient, but I don't think it makes any difference to the clone, whether they're right. a clone or not. <laughs> yeah, their experience will be the same. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hmm. And especially humans who are given the consciousness and the ability to like believe they had a full life, which like I said, if that is what they, if that's what their mind tells them, then that is their experience. Like if they believe they had a full life and they have all those memories, then they are effectively that same person. So like they are still feeling the same things. He's feeling that incredible loss when he realizes he's not going home to his wife, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, the cruel, the cruelty is still there. It's, it's like the Matrix, right? They're, I mean, they were basically farming humans and giving them fake consciousnesses because they need because they couldn't produce the energy without it. So, yeah. and mm-hmm. I think we all agree that was cruel, mm-hmm. even though that was fictional sure. as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of stuff corporations are doing to he- real humans right now in reality that uh, is also very cruel. So, the uh, future fictional corporations that are doing stuff to clones on the moon, I guess is not as much of an issue, (laughs) but knowing that they do this to humans that we already know exist and are real and are not clones probably leads me to believe that they would happily do it to, uh, any type of human in the future. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote, as always, your employers will ultimately exploit you when it makes financial sense for them to do. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> Let's see. I, I, we already talked about how getting to see and recognize the changes you've gone through is a very special thing. And then I put, alternatively, getting to find out you're a pawn while someone else is living the life you've built is unnerving. Because, you know, Sam A gets to realize that there's a, a real Sam out there who's living the life he wanted to he got to go home and go home to his wife and kid and you know get to spend the rest of his wife's life with her but before she passed and and see the kid grow up who's 15 now mm-hmm. yeah like he's losing a lot in that moment in those moments i guess when he realizes not only is he not an original or at least he doesn't think he's original now he finds out that it's farther into the future than he thought he's definitely not going back to his wife yeah and yeah, like, and his, he's missed his daughter growing up. Yeah, and and it's a very sweet moment because I mean he's reacting to the the girl as if like it's it's fake memories that were implanted into him, but he's reacting as if he's her father and he hasn't seen her for three years and he's realizing that he missed her growing up and he's sad and just happy to talk to her and sad that he finds out that his wife died and you know. He sounds just like a dad when he's like, oh, how, you know, how how did mommy die? Um, yeah, he sounds like he's talking to his like five year old daughter. Yeah, like so, whether it was someone else's memories implanted in them, they're real enough to him that again, it, it makes no difference. They're his memories yeah. as far as he's concerned. I guess it is a hard ethical question though. Like, well, if this is the only way to mine this stuff that saves millions and billions of people on the planet and changes, helps with climate change and energy production or whatever is the solution to have humans actually go do it and maybe sacrifice their life or have one endless clone go up there and do it over and over again, but still have them suffer the whole time. 
I think ultimately it's a reaction to corporations not wanting to change their policies and not wanting any oversight. So they create a way of fixing the planet that maybe it also. by still making tons of money and exploiting people. Yeah. However, I will say, I guess in general, it is a as humane as it could have been. Like if he gets into that pod thinking he's going back to his family and then he gets dissolved or whatever happens to him and then another clone wakes up and starts the whole process over again. At any point, at any given point in there, they would never know that this was going on. Like, this was the fluke in the system, you know? I mean, I do agree that they kill him in the most humane way possible. They let his last moment be, like, the most hopeful moment of his life, and then he's just gone, and he never knows what happens. So I guess there is a, there's an argument on both sides, and I guess the, is is this the trolley problem? Which is, I mean, (laughs) that's got to be the way that makes it legal, right? Is that they're mm-hmm. not torturing the person, you know, as far as people might think or as far as the law might think. Like, they're not harming him physically. They're not doing anything to the clones that they didn't do to the original Sam uh, mentally mm-hmm. by having him up there. And I mean, legally, I'd be surprised if the if clones were even designated as people, considering how hard it is to get people designated as people. <laughs> yeah. True. So, yeah, actually... Um, I feel like I'm, you know, as as far as like trolley problem wise, saving the planet versus potentially having some some clones, some cloned humans feel uh, feel pain and loss once in a while, uh, or just generally not have to. I guess if it's if everything goes according to plan, it's probably the best uh, the best solution to the problem. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, we don't know what happened in the world of the movie before this. Like, we don't know if they tried changing policies and everything and it was already too late and there was nothing to be done except completely export energy production off of the planet yeah and like Kristen said like we're we're led to we're led to like kind of be on the sam's side and root for them but i guess stepping back and looking at it from the wider lens and like and, and much like everything else there's not a lot of exposition you just kind of find yourself in the situation much like sam just waking up into the situation so like we don't know what, ha- like you just said, we don't know what happened on earth. We don't know what happened afterwards. We don't know all these things. So maybe this was like the last ditch effort to save the planet and save the humans. And yeah, who knows? But I mean, they, they're they still talking about uh, illegal immigrants when, <laughs> when he comes back to earth. So, <laughs> so maybe, uh, maybe, maybe earth's not worth saving. Yeah. Well, now we know it's the clones <laughs> and- that are taking our jobs, right? So <laughs> that's true, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. This is going to be like the island where there's a clone for everybody. And uh, if, you know, your liver fails, you can go get your, your clones, your clones liver. Yeah, but then you kill the clone. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, that, that, that kind of falls into the similar, uh, similar vein of this movie, actually. I have only seen, I think I've only seen that movie once, but <laughs> I remembered liking the premise. Yeah. This movie's better. Like the island has a good premise, but it's ultimately just a Michael Bay action movie. Yeah, I think that's where it lo- where it gets lost. If it wasn't Michael Bay, maybe that movie would have been taken in some more interesting directions. Yeah. Oh well, I don't have any more lessons over here. Is anybody anybody else? Uh, I mean, I have a few, but I'm only going to read one more, which I just wrote. Uh, in 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 regards to the two Sams and their relationship together, I put, "We have to be our own best company. Uh, we have we have to be what keeps us sane when we're alone." And we have to be what drives us towards change. Wow, Chuck, that's mm. beautiful. I love it. 
It is. And, and interestingly enough, uh, we have to be our own best company is the lunar company's slogan. Is it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I was like, where was that? I missed it. <laughs> what was the, what was the last one you said though? Me? The last line there. Yeah. Uh, we have to be what drives us toward change. That's good. So basically like the drive and the drive to be better come, has to come from within. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there yeah. might be... I like that. That's good. There might be external factors that incite you, but... Well, sure. But you have to be the, the driver. Yeah. Well, ultimately you are the person in the driver's seat. So you have to kind of, you um, have to be the one that steps up. Unless you let Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But he let Matthew take the wheel and that's why he crashed. <laughs> you know, I would like to ask God a, a question. No, just, sorry. Go on. Inside you know, joke. <laughs> well, that was a good, that was a great like final lesson. That was, that was, that was nice. Yeah. Well, well said. Thank you. And also just throwing it out there to any listeners. If, uh, if my audio is wonky and the volume keeps changing, I, I'm trying to fix it as we go along, but it it just keeps happening, and I don't know what's happening. Yeah, if you want to tell us about any audio problems or what you want to talk to God about, you can send us uh, an email at imitatingart1 at gmail.com, or you can uh, tweet us or gram us on uh, those platforms at imitatingartpod. Yeah. And then uh, if you'd like to find Kristen on the interwebs, Sure, you can pop on over to IG. I'm at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-L-A-J. That's my Instagram. <laughs> um, or if you're interested in vegan foodie adventures, you can find my other Instagram, me, which is WTF Vegan Food, which stands for will travel for, of course, because what else would it stand for? So. Obviously, that's what everyone else <laughs> knew already. And also K R I S. T-I-N, the, the Russian spelling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Russian spy. Yeah. Chuck? Yeah, uh, and if you have any thoughts on, you know, what if God was one of us and want to find me individually, either the philosophical thought or the song. It, either way, I want to hear about it. You can find <laughs> me on all the socials at Big Effin Moose, spelled like it sounds. Yes, indeed. And if you want to find me individually, I'm on Instagram at Don't Worry I'm Finite, Twitter at Don Is Finite, and uh, YouTube.com slash Don't Worry I'm Finite. So thanks, Kristen, for joining us for this week's episode. Thanks for having me. Indeed. It has been actual. Yeah, it's been real. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Don and Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.